Well, hey, everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Thank you guys for tuning in today. This is the Off the Bench podcast, and I'm thrilled today to have an old friend back on the show. Dale Partridge is here with me. He's the president of relearn.org. And several weeks ago, he sent me an awesome new children's book that's addressing the issue of gender. You guys are going to love it. It's called Jesus and My Gender. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right, you guys. So before I jump in with my guest today, I want to remind you that we will link back to everything related to the show in the show notes today. Also, I want to encourage you, if you haven't signed up for my women's Bible study at Faith That Speaks, I am taking you through Genesis 1 to 11. That study is called Supernatural, Having a Creator Changes Everything. And it's, uh, it's just getting you guys back to the basics of why we have to take God at his word. And so it's a wonderful study. We've got several thousand of you already signed up to do that with me this month. And so hop on over there. You can find it at faiththatspeaks.com or MomStrong International. They'll both go to the same place. All right. About seven years ago, I had the privilege of meeting my guest. His name is Dale Partridge. He's got a real passion for the gospel and to see uh, people walking in right relationship with God, to rightly divide the word. He's passionate. He's speaking into the culture. He's all over the Internet and uh, he's no longer in the Pacific Northwest. He's down there suffering for the Lord in uh, Arizona. And I've invited him back on the show to talk about his new book. Hey, Dale, welcome. Oh, I'm excited to see you and have some time to talk about this new book. And yeah, we were just talking before the show that we've known each other for so long now. And so it's just great to see that both of our ministries have still remained faithful mm. uh, to the scriptures that were, we both been, I, I would say, unbending. And uh, it's just glad to see because that's not always the case with many people. And so for those that are listening here, just encourage you to keep following Heidi. She's uh, not going to compromise, and that's what we need today. Mm, thank you. I, it's you know what you're right. I was just uh, it answers in Genesis, and there was a big conversation happening around uh, teachers, Bible teachers, you know, and especially in the in women's ministry who we you know watching and following for decades, and a lot of them are not teaching the truth anymore, and they've gone just absolutely sideways. It's hard to find committed Bible teachers who won't compromise, who won't uh, yield to the altar of woke ideology that really has infected the church. And I know that you guys have experienced that. And I'm assuming it's a large part of the reason why you decided to jump into this hot button issue of gender and the transgender movement. Why uh, put your feet in this kind of cultural water? Yeah, I was thinking about this concept of the aggression of the LGBTQ community is if we don't fight this battle as Christians, particularly as Christian men, but also Christian women, yep. but I would say that it would land squarely on this protective element of manhood, we need a lot more men. I keep watching all these videos and articles and podcasts and stories in the news that there's all these women at these P PTA conferences or these school board conferences. I'm like, where are the men? Yep. Uh, not that we, we don't, we love the women that are there, but we need the men there as well. And so, when I started to realize that if we don't fight aggressively, lovingly, but aggressively, unbending mm -hmm. against this community, that we're essentially handing off this battle to our children or to our grandchildren, there's uh, you know, a reality of a multi-generational look that we need to think about. There is a quote, um, I forgot who said it, but it goes something along this lines, I will die comfortably in my bed, but my successor will die in prison. His successor mm. will die as a martyr in the streets, and his successor will pick up the shards of a broken society and rebuild civilization as the church has always done. Mm. Now, 
that idea we need to think about is that there's a multi-generational reality. Yeah, I, I, I may be able to die in my bed, uh, but my kids, if we don't fight hard, might die in a prison cell fighting for the same reality. Uh, there's, we keep thinking that this can't get any more ridiculous. Right. The logic can't go further than it has. Yep. There, there's, the emotions can't get higher than they are. Um, we're so shocked. I mean, we could even, if we could talk to ourselves in 2005, mm-hmm. we wouldn't believe the reality that we live in today. And so the fact that I even had to write a book called Jesus and My Gender for Children, affirming them in their God-given gender, I open up the book with the idea of like, previous generations would be flabbergasted that I even had to write this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we have to realize that there's a battle happening. And if we're going to cowardly step out and be silent, we're essentially handing this over to our children to fight, fight this battle. And honestly, it's actually something that's already happening. Because if you think about it for a second, you go back, just say, when, when I was a kid, um, Heidi, you might have been maybe a new mom. But do you remember the show Will and Grace? Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. so Will and Grace was the precursor to making the culture comfortable with the coming movement of the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't have enough men then and enough women then standing firmly against that reality. Uh, and now I give them a little bit of, of grace because no one thought that it would go the way that it has gone. But you give these people an inch and they take a mile in every possible aspect. And we know that Satan is a patient incrementalist and that there's this uh, playing for keeps, uh, absolute aggression, deception. And so by the age of five, there was a stat that I found So by the age of five, the average American child will see over 100 distortions of gender or sexuality in their lifetime, just by the age of five. So you think about you're at Target and you walk up to the checkout stand and at the register is John wearing a dress and lipstick. And that's just going to happen. It happens to us. It happened to, to, you know, uh, friends of ours. You walk down the aisle, you see the makeup ad and there's some guy with a beard wearing eyeliner. Right, right. You know, and so all of these types of confusing realities for children are happening. So, you know, people are like, is it too young to talk to my child about, about, you know, transgenderism? I said, well, it doesn't matter because the world's going to talk to them about transgenderism the moment you take them outside. And so you, you need to be the first one to initiate these conversations and to affirm them in the truth uh, which is, again, the whole point why we wrote this book. Well, I, I think you're right. I mean, you've just you've hit on what so many parents are feeling right now. Like if you had talked to us in 2005, you know, I remember because I was out on the road speaking about transgenderism and I was in Indianapolis and there was on the cover of Time magazine, there was a black man in a dress and the issue was called the transgender tipping point. And I mm. thought there is no way this is going to take root in the culture. I mean, this is probably seven or eight years ago. There's there's just absolutely no way. And so I I I craft a little a, a talk and I'm just kind of telling the homeschool movement, hey, this is coming and we need to understand what it is. It's an attack against the creator God and his design for male and female. The family's been under assault in the culture now for decades and we're seeing the the terrible fallout from that. But it was interesting to me as I began to speak about it. I had no idea. It wasn't going to be very long after that. We we're going to see, you know, Bruce Jenner on the cover of Vogue magazine, you know, call me Caitlin. And you're right. Our children 
are being absolutely targeted by this everywhere they go. You can go down the, the toy aisle at uh, at Walmart. You can go to the grocery store. You go into your local library. And what are they what are they putting the, the books right out for your little ones to see the gay BCs and all these things? Heather has two mommies and Worm loves Worm and all this stuff. And I am meeting parents now uh, out on the circuit whose kids right in their homes have been targeted by this ideology and the parents don't even realize it's happening. They don't want to talk about this stuff. It makes them feel uncomfortable. They don't want to expose their child. But you're absolutely right. The minute you step outside your door, your kids are going to be targeted. And the only way to inoculate them against a bold lie is to teach them bold truth. truth. Yeah, absolutely. This is the whole premise of this book. And by the way, if you're a parent and you're wondering, okay, does this book introduce all the trans you know, titles and labels? No, it does not. It just affirms little boys and little girls and who they are. And that and they're different. Gives, and that they're different. And it gives yeah. them a great vision of how God made them. And that it's great and glorious to be a boy and great and glorious to be a girl. And so the best, the best defense is a good offense. I mean, yep. that's basically what we just said. I used to grow grass uh, in my house in Oregon when we used to live in Bend. And it was like one of my favorite hobbies. And the way that you build strong grass is not going out and killing weeds. It's making stronger grass. And so you, you would constantly get out there and, and make the grass stronger and the grass would kill the weeds. And so the same thing is true here is that we, we want to uh, affirm them in the biblical basis and understanding the, the gender, the role, the, uh, the idea, the, the concepts, the, uh, the differences, the distinctions, the stations, all of that of what it means to be a boy and what it means to be a girl. And the moment they see a counterfeit, they're going to recognize that it's a lie. And this is true in, in almost any circumstance when it comes to scriptures, but we need it here in this category now. Now, the book also goes in beyond just being a boy is awesome, being a girl is awesome. I actually take them through a rhyming uh, journey of you're also going to get married one day and you're going to get married. A boy is going to marry that, a girl and you guys are going to have a family. And that family is going to be great. And your the husband's going to be the spiritual shepherd of the home. And the wife's going to come by his side and help. And so it's a further affirmation of even marital roles and giving them a vision for that. Because we need to give our children, I constantly talk with my little boys who are, you know, five and seven about, you know, what a godly woman is and, and how to choose a godly wife and look at mom. And, and <clears throat> my daughter, who's, a, you know, about to be 10, <clears throat> who's going to be possibly married in the next 10 years. I talk to her and pray for her uh, about having a godly man and, and how she should be looking for what and, and look at dad and my example. And, and we need to be doing this. Now, one thing I will add is this. In a time where gender is blurred and androgyny becomes this uh, attempt to confuse um, the differences and distinctions between the genders, we need to go over the top on really making difference, uh, I say highlighting the distinctions between the genders. So, you know, Target's going to blur the lines and say, oh, the boys aisle, we don't need that. The girls aisle, we don't need that. Pink things for boys and girls shirts are all about feminism and whatever it may be. So what I do with my boys and girls that I'm constantly trying to look for ways to make them more manly, traditionally speaking, and more feminine for my daughters, uh, you know, traditionally speaking. So if I'm going to get her a dress, it's going to be pink or it's going to be pretty and she's going to have bows in her hair. Because we she's have gonna be to sparkling. She's going to be sparkling and, and she's going to be a princess. And because we are fighting hard against those distinctions right now. And so when they're little, especially, they need those distinctions. Uh, 
as they get older, sure, they can understand because they have a greater mental capacity to, to recognize the, the narrative that's being pushed. But when they're young, push them that way. If your little boy walks in wearing mom's high heels, you go, hey, you know what? Boys don't do that. You grab them out of the high heels, go put on daddy's boots. You know, Those are the little basic things that we have to be careful about in a society that will see that little boy in those high heels and they'll run with it. Oh, yeah. And, and they'll push it the other way. And so we, we do, we need to be careful with our children at this stage being very uh, in, uh, intentional shepherds. One of the questions I get quite a bit here at the show is from parents who are trying to figure out how they have these conversations with their with their children. And I it's why I love your book so much. I was so glad when I uh, when I saw that you'd written it. But I'm always telling parents, listen, you have to follow the Lord like we want to have age appropriate yes. conversations with our kids. They don't need to know every awful, dark uh, nuance to the transgender movement. They don't need to know all the titles. I think what you're doing is absolutely right. What we want to do is affirm who they are in Christ, that God made us male and female, and that each one of those uh, those designs by God are precious before him, and we have different roles. But I think not to uh, to scare parents, because I, I met a woman uh, two weekends ago, I was speaking in Austin, and she was trying to, to talk to her seven-year-old daughter and really kind of freaked her daughter out, you know, talking about all these things that were the lies. And I said, boy, I would, I don't know that I would jump right into the lie. I think you just, you inoculate with truth. And then you're right. When they see the counterfeit, they're going to go, hey, I remember when, uh, when my daughter saw Bruce Jenner on the cover of Vogue magazine, we were at the grocery store in Portland of all places. And I'm trying to check out and, uh, and, you know, keep the, keep the, the train moving. And my daughter is just standing there, just transfixed on the cover of this magazine. And finally, you know, she's pulling on my jacket. I said, sailor, what's going on? She goes, mommy, why is that man dressed like a princess? Like she knew in her heart, in her mind, that something was not right. Well, I, I knew immediately I need to take this opportunity. And so I got down eye level with her and I said, sweetheart, you know, some, some people are really confused. Did God make you a boy or a girl? She said, he made me a girl. I said, that's right. I said, he's confused. And she said, well, someone should tell him. Like she's just looking at him like, you know, I mean, our kids, are um are so precious and they are being targeted I, i'm sure that you guys are having the same issues down in arizona as we're having up here in the pacific northwest with the drag queens and one of the things that's been breaking my heart lately is watching how many young mothers are taking our ch- little children to these events where uh, drag performers are performing lewd acts sexually charged acts in front of these little ones and parents need to understand this movement is demonic. It is demonic. It is based in a lie. It's just, it's Satan in the Garden of Eden all over again. Did God really say? And Christian parents, you're absolutely right, need to go on offense. Yeah. And it's an interesting reality because this is so deeply connected to the feminist movement. 100%. Yeah. Because you have to realize that there are no drag kings. Okay. Just as a general rule, like drag kings are not a thing. Uh, the feminist movement has made men so, you know, looking so terrible and toxic that these confused men want to be women. And there's such gross perversion and distortion that's obviously occurring as a result of it. But yeah, we have to ask ourselves a question. And so a couple months ago, a friend of mine, Michael Foster, who wrote, It's Good to Be a Man, and and I wrote uh, a book called The Manliness of Christ. And we came together and we said, why are these drag queens more interested in influencing 
the children in their local communities than pastors are. Mm. Because at the end of the day, that's a true reality is you just yeah. go, um, like, why aren't the pastors out there doing pastor story hour? Mm -hmm. And so we did a, a pastor story hour a couple months ago, and we've been doing them every month since. And this is, we go to public libraries and we encourage pastors to go to public libraries. You can get this book, Jesus and My Gender. You can read it. It's obviously a great uh, contrast to what's being read there, but you don't have to read that. There's great books with virtuous morals and great narratives that you can read to kids. And it's an opportunity to share the gospel. So I, I had, you know, 20, 30 kids in there on the first one, and I shared the gospel. I gave a great demonstration. My children were there and then read Jesus and my gender and all the kids loved it and asked questions about it. The parents were present and we actually had no friction uh, where we were at here. But this post, uh, uh, this uh, story got posted on Daily Wire and got pushed out across the country. And now we're getting more and more pastors doing this. So I just want to encourage if you are a wife or a man who's listening to this uh, show, if you have, a, you have a husband that's a pastor or maybe an elder at the church, we need to get more men out there uh, to, I, I don't care if he's a police officer, a fireman, whatever it may be, some, some man that's willing to get up and say, hey, I would much rather have the children come here and listen to a godly, righteous story and be that influence in a child's life rather than these perverted men who are dressing up like women trying to pervert the understanding of identity to children. And so uh, this, is, this is a bigger issue in terms of just writing books. We actually have to get the book out there. We have to get it into libraries. We have to get it into public schools. We have to get it into church libraries. We have to get it in the hands of as many parents as possible. And this is why, Heidi, this war is not going to be won in our generation. Okay, so you just have to start thinking multi-generationally. We're so myopic because we just think that Jesus is coming back next Thursday and that we just go, oh, you know, um, let, let's just kind of, everything's going to hell in a handbasket. We're just going to right, kind of right. hunker down. We forgot that, we've, we forgot that, that Jesus said we were supposed to occupy until yeah, he returns. So, I mean, think about this. Like the generations before us, uh, the medieval era, you know how long it would take them to build a cathedral? Like 700 years. Okay, we don't build like that because we don't think like that. Right. Uh, we are so, you know, quick and, and we don't have this long view, but you need to think about this. We're not going to win this battle in the next 10 years. Now, think about it. It's been 1973 to 2021. It was the battle for abortion, Roe v. Wade. I mean, this, is, this is a 50-year battle, right, that was going on. And this is the same thing that's going to happen with the Obergefell. Mm -hmm. movement is that we're going to overturn that ruling, but it's going to take probably your kids and grandkids. And so getting this book and other resources like it, we need to be thinking about, my concern is this, how do we get this into a million families' homes so that next generation is not confused? Mm -hmm. So that mm -hmm. the children that are seven today, when they're 17, 10 years from today, aren't confused or frustrated about gender identity, they're going to be comfortable in knowing that they're a man and knowing that they're a woman. And so, again, thinking long-term is key for this generation now, investing into, this, into the children while still fighting the battle, putting up resistance against what's coming at them at every possible front, at the school, at the media, at the political level, constantly pushing back. But at the same time, training them up in the truth so that when they get up, it's not an issue. We're just not going to have this as much of an issue because kids aren't going to be confused that they're gay and that they're lesbian or that they're trans, that they're bi, or that they want to marry a horse or whatever it may be. 
that's not going to happen because we're going to raise the next generation of godly children in the scriptures. Well, I love I love that admonition to men, especially because I think and, you know, you can take this back down. We we can follow the feminist rabbit trail because we're in third, fourth wave feminism right now. Right. And for the 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 last several decades, I mean, who was the butt of all the jokes in the sitcoms? It was always the dad, you know, making fun of men in the culture. And then you had Gillette come out talking about toxic, you know, toxic masculinity. And I'm over here like, hold up. We need our men. Like right. we need we need men in the culture and we need men to rise up and defend women and children, men born to be protectors and providers. And all these songs that women have been singing, you know, anything you can do, we can do better. Well, now we realize that's a lie. Right. That's a lie. And we need each other. And I have been so encouraged to see more men uh, starting to show up at these school board meetings, more yes. men starting to talk about. I mean, really, it's the it's the girls who are suffering and struggling when men are entering into women's sports and going into women's locker rooms and women's spaces. I'm sorry, but that happens at a restroom where my husband's at and they're going to be problem. There's going to be a huge problem if a dude tries to come into the public restroom and one of our children is in that restroom uh, because my husband is a protector. Yes. And he's not afraid. And we need to see more men stepping into the gap and saying, hey, you know what? We we honor our women and we honor children. We do that in part by being men and uh, not buying the lie anymore, because I think you're absolutely right. We've I mean, hello, going to Portland. We have feminized an entire uh, generation now of men. And it's very hard. You know, this whole metrosexual thing, very hard to tell the difference a lot of times between men and women and real women and godly women are crying out to see men again take leadership roles and begin to speak out in defense of what's happening, which really in large part is an assault against women. Oh, I mean, it's so bad because we, we, don't, we don't have many examples. I think right now, young men, uh, you have to give them a bit of sympathy because, yeah. and I, I say sympathy and not empathy because 20 years ago, you didn't have the problems that they have today. And you can't relate with the problems that young men and young women are dealing with today, we can be sympathetic to them because it's, it's terrible. But we can't be empathetic because it was different when we were there. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. these young people are angry. Uh, they're angry because they're realizing that they're looking back at the men of the 1800s and the 1700s and the families and the authority and the honor and the respect and the notoriety and just the reputation and the persona of men, and they're realizing how totally gypped they are mm-hmm. in this generation with no structure, no boundaries, no order, mm-hmm. uh, no reference points, no examples. And they're, they're having to go back a hundred years of literature and examples to even get some sort of a reference point to what it means to be a man. Mm-hmm. And women are doing the same thing. Yes, we live in pockets of communities where you have godly women who raise their daughters to be godly women. And and that's great. But at large, we have so many men and women that are absolutely lost and need more discipleship. They need more mentorship. They need more resources. They need more books. Um, You know, a lot of women get married and they don't know how to do dishes. They don't know how to uh, do their own laundry. They don't know how to keep a home. Men don't know how to provide. They're addicted to porn. I mean, there's just, it's a train wreck for this generation. And so we need to create and restore a vision for manhood, for masculinity, because that's how this whole thing's solved. Because it's, it's not just reading, your, reading Jesus and my gender, teaching your kids what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman. It's actually showing it. If you're a terrible father and a terrible mother and you, you get divorced, 
You can read Jesus is my gender all day long and it's not gonna make much of a difference. Mm-hmm. And so we, we need to have healthy biblical families that are walking in our roles and we're, we're giving our children vision of what it means to be in kingdom roles. Uh, the, the economy of the kingdom is different than the economy of the world and they need to have a vision for that. Yeah, and you're you're you know you're singing my tune now because I've been saying to to mothers for uh, decades now you can't pass on what you don't possess. Yes, and so if we want to be able to pass on a, a godly legacy to our children, then that means that we need to be surrendered to Christ in the quiet places of our hearts where no one else is watching, right? So rather than you know doing your quiet time so that you can post about it on Instagram, how about you go into your closet and you say like David, Father, search me. Yep. Tell me, is there anything in my life that's hindering me from being able to be the wife and the mother, the husband and the father that you have called me to be? And it's that introspection, that willingness to say, I'm going to lay it all down. And we've been living now for decades and decades and generations uh, in the sort of sloppy agape uh, in the modern church movement that has not discipled young men and not discipled young women. And so here we are now in this perfect storm right? It's attacks that are coming against our children and against God's design for human sexuality and a generation of biblically illiterate Christians who don't know God's word and can't defend it. And so it's getting back to the basics again and saying, Lord, help me to be the person that you want me to be so that I can pass this on truthfully to my children. Yeah. I mean, I, I wrote this book, uh, Jesus is My Gender, off the tail end of a book that I wrote called The Manliness of Christ short book for men. And I was realizing that the reason that the church is so effeminate is because we've made Jesus effeminate. There's a book by Dane Ortland, which is not a bad book. It's called Gentle and Lowly. I think every Christian woman on earth bought a copy of it. And it's this book that talks about the gentle and lowly Jesus. The problem with that book is that it's one dimensional. It gives you just soft Jesus. And I, I read through this. It didn't book. give you table flipping Jesus. No table flipping Jesus. No intense, bold, sacrificial. Um, you know, go insulting. To the cross, Jesus. Go to the cross, yeah. Jesus. Resolve to die. There, there just wasn't there. And so I, I, I did a study across the New Testament, looking at all the most bold, intense, courageous, masculine examples of Christ in the New Testament throughout the Gospels, and you start to realize that Jesus is the most masculine man on earth. And if you hate masculinity, you're going to hate Jesus because Jesus is incredibly intense. And we need to restore that view of who Christ is because effeminate Jesus doesn't attract men to the church. Okay, women will come to gentle and lowly Jesus. Men won't. Um, And so when you have a church that's filled with effeminate songs and sway your hips to Jesus and dudes wearing a swoop neck shirt and some tight jeans on stage like that. That's not going to attract strong men. It's going to attract the metrosexual guys, but it's not going to attract strong men. And so you need biblical Jesus to give that vision to attract men. And when you win the men, you win the wives, you win the children. Statistically, that's true over and over and over again. And so um, the, the hope here is the whole restoration of this is we need to have a sober biblical view of who Jesus is, that he's incredibly masculine. Uh, he does have a wife. His bride is the church. Um, he's uh, very protective of her. He's very intense. He was resolved to go to the cross, 
knowing that he was going to take on the sin of the world, be slaughtered and murdered, uh, be forsaken by the Father, uh, even though he had no sin. And it says actually in the Gospels that while they were walking to Jerusalem, he was out in front of them. He was, they, they were scared in the back, the disciples, and he was out in front walking to the cross. He said, you know, he says that nobody takes my life, but I give it up myself. I mean, this is, this is the type of Christianity that we need. So what's, what's going on, Heidi, is that we have a church where all of the, the focus is this kind of circle therapeutic garbage where it's like, hey, what are you doing and how are you doing? And what, yeah, it's how does feelings this feelings and emotions you? and yeah, yeah. So when you have a circle, guys don't, aren't interested in this. See, historic biblical Christianity is a line and it's a line, it's shoulder to shoulder walking forward to the Great Commission with Jesus as general, and he's got all authority given to him in heaven and on earth, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, and you're pushing forward the kingdom of God by the proclamation of the gospel. This is, this is historic Christianity. We gotta get out of the therapeutic, effeminate, you know, emotionally driven, and get back to the, to the logical, biblical uh, proclamation. It doesn't mean we're emotionless. But it just means that the focus needs to be on Christ, the reverence towards him, the glory of the cross, um, and uh, obedience, personal holiness. Mm. Um, and so all, all of these coming together in the family, a good view of the gospel, a strong biblical family, when all that stuff happens, you don't need to worry about transgenderism in your home. Um, that stuff's going to get taken care of. Uh, and so, yes, it's great to have these resources that we have and produce these things, but the go upstream, like go upstream. Yeah. And you're realizing the real issue is that do you have a godly man in your home that mm -hmm. understands the gospel and a godly marriage that, that is working together, you know, and you're, you're demonstrating what it means to be a, a man and a woman. And, and so it is, it's, it's, when you talk about one thing, you essentially talk about everything. And so, but it, this, this really is a call to getting back to the Bible, to let the Bible be the one that's determining the definitions around manhood, womanhood, and childhood. Yeah. And you're going back to K. Arthur, let scripture interpret scripture. Amen. And we have to study it. And I think, we, you know, I, and I, it's encouraging for me to see. I think there's been a resurgence lately, um, people desiring to go back to a more theologically based, solid version of worship rather than yes. this emotional, you know, that they look, they sound more like love songs that we maybe sing to each other than about the holy God of the universe who spoke the world into existence. And it, and it brings uh, our existence back into right focus again, that he is God and he's worthy of our worship. And that means every area and every aspect of our lives. And I'm hoping that more parents, as they begin to listen and, and realize that God has given them responsibility and authority for their children, and he will hold us accountable for how we shepherd our kids through these tumultuous times. But for me, you know, I'm getting to the end of my uh, my shepherding, you know, the hardcore shepherding years of raising children. And I'm recognizing now that for all those years that I felt like, and I always tell this to women because I think it's very easy to feel unseen when you're doing, you know, diapers and dishes and laundry and the whole thing, you know, all day long. But what I was doing for those 30 years was raising a mother for my grandchildren. Amen. And I think we we need to begin again to think generationally. And uh, I like to tell I'm I'm watching, and I know I'm sure you guys are seeing this too. Kind of a resurgence of women now, and I think I'm seeing it in men too, going back to 
the ancient arts. Like you're seeing lots of women going back to making sourdough bread and people are getting chickens Mm -hmm. and trying to figure out. And I think it's a hunger inside of us because there's so much brokenness in the culture and the culture has turned so many things on its head and the church has failed miserably. I mean, I'm not even going to get into the Rona and how badly the church failed that test. But to see uh, people like you taking a stand in the culture and saying, hey, men, you know, get off the bench, get onto the battlefield. You're needed here. Uh, Your women need you. Your wives need you. The mother of your children needs you. And for women to to uh, to recognize that the role that God has given them is precious and that we need not be in this, you know, the battle of the sexes, which really began in the Garden of Eden. Yep. And we've perpetuated it in this bizarre uh, way in the culture right now. But it's a return to biblical authority and to the structure that God has set forth in the home and that he's given us basic uh, the, the basic keys to life. Uh, right in the Bible. So I'm I'm loving this. Where can people find you online and how do they get their hands on uh, your new book? Yeah, you can pick up the book, Jesus and My Gender on Amazon. You can buy it also from us at relearn.org forward slash gender. Honestly, I like it being bought on Amazon because then we get reviews there. We have the trans activists that are constantly trying to put bad reviews on there. So please leave a review. Uh, you can actually leave a review even if you didn't buy it from Amazon, if you bought it somewhere else. And so we are. Uh, we are constantly pushing there. Another place that you can just follow our ministry, what we're doing is my podcast, Real Christianity. And from relearn.org and Real Christianity, those two places are essentially, you could find everything that we're doing, all the social media accounts that we're on. Instagram and Twitter are my main jam. So if you want to get on and see some, you know, bold content or funny memes, that's my world. And so I uh, would love to have you on the journey. But yeah, hey, Heidi, thank you so much for just having me on the show. love talking about this topic. It's important that Christians are waking up and realizing that this is a war and we need to get in the fight. Yeah, absolutely. Dale Partridge, you are just a gift to the Christian community. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And keep me posted. We'll have you back on and uh, see what God's doing in your life and your ministry. Can't wait to do it again. Thank you. For more information on today's guest, you guys can go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash podcast. Be sure and share this show. If you've been encouraged, like I have been uh, by Dale's testimony and the work that he's doing at relearn.org, please share this show with other people. You can share it uh, out on your social media platforms and help us uh, get the word out to more and more people. We've just passed 18 million downloads here at the show. And so I thank you guys so much for helping us get the truth of the word of God out into a culture that desperately needs it. Listen, you guys, the world might be in crisis, but God's people don't need to be. So hang on to the word of God and continue to stand strong. And I will see you back here again at the intersection of faith and